All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Nobody. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in for this Thursday night, Friday morning episode, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I've been doing three episodes a week over the course of this week, and I think that that's going to be the natural uh, rotation that I do for the majority of the offseason, unless there's some stuff that I have to talk about that kind of goes over extra or we're at a, a critical point in the offseason where it's the draft, free agency, etc., and stuff happens. But that's kind of what the schedule is going to look like for these next few weeks and, and sort of going into the offseason. I might, I might change some stuff at that point too. But on this episode, I wanted to share my thoughts initially on the Michael Malone and Calvin Booth interviews that went down, the sound bites that went out, and sort of the tone and tenor that was uh, for those particular interviews. I wasn't attending that one. It was unfortunate. We didn't have anybody at Denver Stiffs representing that, but the the audio went out. And I, of course, listened to uh, Locked on Nuggets and DNVR and all those shows. You guys, you guys should go listen to my friends. They are fantastic on that. But for now, I, I just wanted to share my thoughts on those particular uh, those particular interviews and just the tenor of what we've seen. Here's the thing. I think everybody rightly should be in a position right now with this Nuggets team where now it is time to turn the page. Now it is time to sort of flip the script on what to expect from the Denver Nuggets. Back when the Aaron Gordon trade happened for Denver, the Nuggets were really, really good before then. And they, they found their way. They were still having championship aspirations. That was always the goal. But you knew that they needed this one little thing. And it was a, a very important piece. And very few players in the NBA could fill that at a starter caliber level. Aaron Gordon was one of those players. And so the Nuggets make that trade. They make that decision. It works out really well in terms of adding a long-term piece, I think. And the Nuggets are in a position where you have a championship caliber team. And then it gets hurt immediately. Jamal Murray gets hurt just a few days after that team is assembled. And then you have Michael Porter Jr. getting hurt within the playoffs that year. And then getting hurt and staying hurt and uh, being sidelined for the majority of this season. And so kind of like what these other what previous shows have said, the Nuggets were always in a situation of purgatory where this team wasn't ever going to show its true colors without those guys. And anybody, any single person that assumed that they could still win a title without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., was kidding themselves. It just they they didn't have the talent to do it. And that's just an unfortunate thing that teams deal with if they get injured. But You've seen that with the Golden State Warriors. You've seen that with the Oklahoma City Thunder back when they were kind of alternating injuries between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. When you build a top-heavy team, which is what the Nuggets are, they have a superstar. They have a player that we believe to be an all-star caliber player. They have a young star in Michael Porter and a, a an elite role player is what I would call him in Aaron Gordon. Those four guys... That is the formula to make it work. If you don't have those four players, it gets considerably more difficult. Think about what happened to the Phoenix Suns in the first round, where Devin Booker goes out, 
and they need heroics from Chris Paul, as well as Devin Booker coming back in a game six in order to close out that series. And they still found it difficult. The, the Pelicans were pushing them so hard. And that's the one seed right now that is kicking Dallas's ass. So, if you are the Suns, you don't kick Dallas's ass the same way that you would, given that you have Devin Booker now, if you didn't have him for that series, or if you didn't have Mikhail Bridges, or DeAndre Ayton, or the, the pieces like Chris Paul, hypothetically. If you don't have one of those guys, it's going to be drastically more difficult. If you don't have both of the two of those guys, then it's going to be impossible. That's how Nuggets fans have to approach this, that it was always going to be impossible for them to really compete, for them to really put forth the best possible foot that they can. There are certain stars that you can live without if you have the right situation behind them. If Nikola Jokic went down, Denver would be sunk. Jamal Murray went down. They still won a first-round series last year. Michael Porter goes down, and, and they, they might even still make the second round this year or if, if they had Jamal Murray. Like, But you need your full complement of players, or at least as close to it as you can get, in order to actually win a title. And that's something that I've learned this year. It's, it's, the, it's the survivor Olympics. It's the last man standing sort of award. And that was what it was last year as all of the stars around the NBA went down in the playoffs. And I think we're kind of seeing a similar thing this year where the teams that are going to advance are likely the teams that have their full complement of pieces and are the teams that can stay healthy enough and stay consistent enough with all of their guys in order to have zero holes. You're seeing teams like the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns and even the Golden State Warriors really show forth with that. And I think with the Nuggets, I think with the exit interviews that they put forth over the course of Wednesday with Calvin Booth, with Michael Malone, the tenor of that was that this team is now past the point that injuries can be an excuse. That as long as they have those guys healthy, the team is in contention. But in order to remain in contention, in order to do all of the things that you need to do to become a true champion, you have to be fully bought in. And what does that mean? What does that mean in my eyes? Well, first of all, it means being willing to pay the luxury tax. You have this core together, even if you keep them together. Like If you keep them together, it's basically a guarantee that you pay the luxury tax. So that's step one. Step two is that you don't skimp on the edges. You make sure to maximize your resources for a playoff run this year and next year and going forward. Because if you don't, then you're putting yourself into a position where it's a what if. What if we had traded that future asset? What if we had made that deal that brought in that final piece of the puzzle? What if we had signed that two-way contract to a full-time contract so that he could play in the playoffs, cough, Davon Reed, cough, and would have potentially given another option for the team? All of these moves, all of these potential opportunities – 
they come together to point out one mass conclusion. The team is either going to be all the way bought in or not bought in. There are no half measures in contention, especially with Nikola Jokic. And Michael Malone made it very clear that he would like to see the Nuggets organization all the way bought in, believing that they could be a championship contender, but also carrying themselves that way and treating, whether it's the regular season or the trade deadline or free agency or the draft or anything like that, treat it in the way that your goal is to win a title. And the best way to win a title with those things in mind is to maximize every resource, not leave anything on the table. So another thing that I'm looking at is Denver going to use their free agency exceptions? Are they going to bring back the pieces that the coaches request to bring back to win a title? Are they going to make the trades that maximize the team, even if it becomes a little bit more pricey? Is there a guy that they need to go get that makes sense for the construction of the team? Is that going to be costly? It might be. If it puts you closer to contention and winning a title, is that the cost that you pay? Michael Malone would say yes. Calvin Booth, I think he's of that same mind. Obviously, the the tone was set by Michael Malone. Not necessarily like like I, I think Calvin is is a little bit more like reserved in that regard and wasn't necessarily putting down ultimatums or anything because he's the GM. He has to make some of these roster decisions, uh, along with Tim Connolly, of course. But the perspectives there are that the team is now in this position where they have to make a move, where they have to make, and and by a move, I don't necessarily mean just one roster move. I mean, every single roster move that they make has to be towards winning a title. And that means finding a way to figure out the Golden State Warriors death lineup, find a way to defend the Phoenix Suns, or continue to put yourself into a position where you could score against them at at will. There are different ways to do this, and the Nuggets have to navigate a pretty difficult water. But that probably means to me is that your 2027 first-round pick, your 2029 first-round pick, those picks that are eligible for Denver to move, you might move them this offseason if the right deal presents itself, or maybe you save your ammo for the trade deadline. But if you don't spend it at the trade deadline, it better be for a great reason. You better be maximizing your resources over the course of these of this year, this upcoming season that we head into the offseason for, or the direct year after that. Michael Malone received a two-year extension during this past at the end of this past year. That means that he's under contract for another three years. This next year, 22-23, the year after that, 23-24, and the year after that, 24-25. What that means to me is that the Nuggets have a two-year window with this coach. They aren't like, look, they might fire Michael Malone if things go badly after this season, which means that, like Michael Malone is saying, you're going to want to try to win now, and you're going to want to exhaust every resource so that he doesn't get fired. That is That is probably part of the message. But also, it's, hey, these are two years of Nikola Jokic's prime. We're in a situation where Michael Porter Jr., his back 
may or may not continue to hold up, and, and so far it hasn't. So if you get a lucky Michael Porter Jr. healthy year, then you have to capitalize. You don't know how long that's going to go. You do not know whether Jamal Murray decides that he wants to move on because he has three years left on his deal. What if he decides after the end of next year or the year after that, that this situation just isn't for him? I don't know if that's true. And and like maybe if you win a title, then that's not even a, a factor. But if you come up short, and the reason you come up short is because it had something to do with the core, then perhaps the core is broken up. So what you have to do is you have to maximize every single resource to make sure that this core, if that is a core that you believe in, and I do, if that is a core that you believe in, then you have to spend around it in order to get things done. It's that simple. There is not a lot of like wiggle room in that interpretation of this. You are not competing for four years down the road. You are competing for next year. And what that says to me is that if it means that it costs Bones Highland or Monte Morris or Zeke Naji or future first-round picks, then like, Michael Mullen will probably shed a tear here or there because he establishes a relationship with every guy. But if it brings you closer to a title, then maybe it has to be done. I'm not going to speculate too much on that and, and on which guys are likely to get moved, like especially the ones that are under contract and, and are seemingly future bound. But as I talked about in my in my guard rotation section, it's possible that they decide that Monte Morris and Bones Highland are too redundant and they decide that moving on from one is the best situation for the team as long as you get something good back. That could be possible. And it's tough. Like you're in that situation because you've done a great job of drafting that specific type of player. And Zeke Naji might fall into the same boat, to be honest. Because you've got Jeff Green and Jamichael Green who are going to probably pick up their player options. What if Zeke Naji is the difference between you getting a quality wing, especially a wing defender, or not? Then you might let go of Zeke Naji. So I am very curious to see how this plays out this offseason. I'm going to be mixing in some content that obviously I'm going to do the reviews for the season review for the forwards and for the center or the bigs next week. But I am going to start talking about this stuff because it looks to me like the Nuggets are going to get aggressive themselves. And so I am going to try to prepare the audience for what is to come. And that means, sure, breaking down some of the draft, that'll probably happen. But it's going to focus on free agency and trades too. And there is some stuff that Denver can and probably will do that Nuggets fans have to be prepared for. So we will see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to do something fun. We are going to go into fake trade season. We'll be right back. everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love and support as always if you can it'd be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast 
Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's get into this next segment. And I'm going to do this for two segments actually today. And I wanted to have fun with this episode. One of the reasons was I I was doing some stuff with family and and couldn't necessarily prepare for a full-on season in review podcast. But what I wanted to do, and I, I had this idea while I was out, was let's go through some fake trades. Let's do this process. And and because Nuggets fans, there's nothing more that a fan base loves than to speculate on fake trades that could help make the team better. Every Every person wants to be that fake GM that wants to see themselves making the move that makes a lot of sense. I go through this a lot in my off time, stuff that I don't necessarily release to the public that I try to mentally prepare myself for. Because like we talked about in the last segment, there is a possibility that Denver does some crazy stuff over or not, maybe not crazy stuff, but some stuff over the course of this offseason. And I want to be prepared for who that could be, what they're going to do, how's it going to look. And so I asked Nuggets fans to send me their fake trade proposals to see if they are on the same wavelength that I am, but also to just kind of do this exercise with people, try to gauge the market for what people are expecting. And I'm also going to reproach all of you for sending me in proposals that are super nuggets favored, where obviously some guys aren't going to get traded and yet nuggets fans are proposing some deals anyway. So I'm going to try to be honest. I'm going to try to be harsh and critical on this. And we are going to kind of I'm going to set the standard for what Nuggets fans should expect in a trade, having done this for a while now and understanding what actually gets deals done. So I'm going to start with the ones that are in my DMs for the folks that decided to send them to the DMs as opposed to uh, just replying to the message. So I'm going to try to get through as many of these as I can today. We are going to have a good time with it. But let's go. The first one. Uh, Allen recommends that the Nuggets should trade with the Chicago Bulls, Derek Jones Jr. and Alex Caruso for Will Barton and Zeke Naji. And I think he also made a note that he probably had a future first rounder from Denver. What I will say is that that probably has to be agreed to as a sign and trade because Derek Jones Jr. is a free agent. Also, Alex Caruso is more valuable than anybody that Denver could send out pretty much because of his defensive talent, because of how he fits. And this is just not a feasible trade that the the Chicago Bulls are doing. They want to get better defensively. And adding Zeke Nagy and Will Barton doesn't really satisfy that for them. Like maybe Zeke Nagy helps in a matchup against Giannis Antetokounmpo. But let me just say that again. Are you really having Zeke Nagy defend Giannis Antetokounmpo if you are a team with championship aspirations? I think the answer is no. So, going to say no to that one. Uh, Broncos for Life, Darkcast, he, he responded to me with a several scenarios, so let's go through them. Uh, three-team trade between the Nuggets, the Wizards, and the Kings. Will Barton is sent to the Kings. Monte Morris is sent to the Wizards. And the Nuggets receive Justin Holiday, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, and Terrence Davis, all of whom are on expiring contracts. That's interesting. Uh, So this is an interesting proposal because it trades a point guard and a shooting guard for Denver for a bunch of 3 and D options. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a good option. 
Justin Holiday is a good option that I've recommended before. Terrence Davis, I'm not super stoked about, but he's kind of the, the third piece of this. But this is interesting because it trades two players that I think are the most likely to move for Denver, and that's Will Barton and Monte Morris. Uh, because Monte is valuable and Will, it's probably just his time to go. And then Justin Holiday, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Terrence Davis, you get those guys back, that'll be pretty good. I think Denver could be pretty happy about that. Are the Kings going to be happy getting Will Barton for Justin Holiday and Terrence Davis? I don't know. Probably not. Are the Wizards going to be happy getting Monte Morris for Contavious Caldwell Pope? That actually I could see because they were starting they're starting KCP at point guard by the end of the season, and they need somebody to play next to Bradley Beal, who I assume is going to re-sign for the Supermax, but I, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just have to see what he does. Uh, next deal from Darkcast. Two-player two deal, Monte Morris and Will Barton to the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon and O'Shea Brissett. I'm going to just go ahead and say that's not enough. You're going to need to add some picks probably a young player in order to facilitate that deal. But Malcolm Brogdon is on the short list of guys that Denver could trade for that makes sense next to Jamal Murray. Malcolm Brogdon can defend some of the tougher matchups while also handling his business on the offensive end in a variety of ways. So he is a good piece for Nuggets fans to look out for, but you haven't sent out enough. Deal number three. Nuggets get Josh Richardson and DeJounte Murray from the Spurs, and the Spurs get Will Barton, Monte Morris, Zeke Naji, and two first-round picks. You can't trade the 2022 and 2024 first-round picks, at least not until the draft for 2022, but the 2024 is locked. Denver cannot trade that deal. They cannot trade that pick because of the Stepien rule. Now, the Spurs wouldn't make that deal anyway because DeJounte Murray is very valuable to them. Josh Richardson, like if it was Will Barton for and and uh, a second round pick for Josh Richardson, you might get that done. But in the aggregate, Monte Morris, Zeke Naji, and a first round pick for DeJounte Murray, that is not good enough. He is very, very good. And the Spurs would laugh at you for recommending that deal. Finally, the Knicks, uh, the Nuggets get Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, and Cam Reddish. The Knicks get Will Barton, Monte Morris, and a 2024 first-round pick. It's fine. It's not great. The Knicks have to get better defensively. They know that R.J. Barrett is going to be their guy on the perimeter for the future. Do Monte Morris and Will Barton help them do that? Kind of. Not really. Uh, I, I think that this is probably something where the Knicks would just think and look to themselves, be like, what are we doing? And they would probably balk. Uh, but we will see. Like maybe maybe the Knicks make something dumb. Uh, Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel are interesting pieces that Denver could potentially acquire. I don't think that the money is great with Noel. I think that he's somebody that is a little bit too pricey to be a backup center, especially for a team in Denver that's against the that's kind of strapped for cash. Uh, Alec Burks is a good depth piece, I would be very surprised if he was a starter. That just doesn't seem viable to me. And then Cam Reddish, like, that is what it does. I don't even know how to grade out Cam Reddish just because they just traded a first round pick for him. I know that they want to see him go, but I don't think that they 
I don't think that the Knicks are going to trade him immediately after trading a first-round pick for him. It just doesn't make sense to me. All right, let's get out of the... Actually, Andrew has sent one as well, also with the Knicks. Okay, this is a three-team trade. Knicks, Nuggets, Thunder. The Nuggets get Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, and Lou Dort. And the Knicks get Will Barton, Jermichael Green, and a 2023 second. The Thunder get Zeke Naji and two firsts from Denver. Of, I don't know, it's hard to frame. I think if you break this down just like team by team here, the Nuggets basically acquire Lou Dort from the Thunder for Zeke Naji and two firsts. That seems pretty good. That seems like a good, fair deal for both sides because the Lou Dort situation is just very interesting. I think if you do this, then Lou Dort has to opt into that team option or the, the team option has to be agreed to in order to make that deal. And so Lou Dort would be a free agent at the end of the regular season. Now the Nuggets would, they would then be able to re-sign him. They would have full bird rights, I believe. And so they could give him whatever deal he earns after that, but they would be very expensive going forward. And that would just be, wow, that would be an insane team. But it is in the ballpark of what I think Denver should be looking for from a value perspective. Alec Burks is kind of a backup. Lou Dort is a starter. Nerlens Noel in there as a as a backup center. And then the only guys that you're losing are Will Barton, who you're probably trading anyway, and then Zeke Naji and Jamichael Green. And if you get back Nerlens Noel, then you have a good backup center option at that point, and you can stagger some other folks. There's a, there's some value to this deal for Denver. It's a it's a good deal for Denver. Is it a good deal for the Knicks? I don't know. Like it's it's that's hard to see. Like it's just it's just about what they want, you know. Like do they want more scoring? Okay, then Will Barton probably makes more sense over Alec Burks. Are they interested in recouping some assets and getting off of some contracts? Then maybe this does make sense. Are the Nuggets okay with becoming more expensive because they're about to be very expensive? then sure, this probably does make sense. We'll just have to see what what Denver's ultimate goals are. So that's kind of why these, these, these scenarios are good because it helps kind of frame the discussion a little bit, but they also can be frustrating because you don't know necessarily what the team wants to do. And I, I read Jake Coyne's piece. I'm going to have Bronco Squatch on for the podcast probably next week. I know he's doing a show with Adam uh, over the course of today or tomorrow. But the Nuggets, they have their own goals, and their goals might be different from my goals. I don't think they are, just from kind of understanding what's going on. But how they go about it, how who they decide to move, who they are willing to move, that might be different from what I'm thinking. Let's go to the messages again and let's click on some uh let's click on some here. All right, CD Lamb burner, uh Lamb MVP, shout out to him. He asks or he he proposes Josh Richardson, Trey Jones and a 2023 second and a 2022 second from two different teams. Or no, they're actually both from the Spurs. Um and gosh, this is okay. This is a little confusing. So the Nuggets get Josh Richardson, Trey Jones from the Spurs. The Spurs get Zeke Naji and Dwight Powell from the Dwight Powell from the Mavericks. Zeke Naji from the Nuggets. They also get a couple firsts, 
And then the Mavericks get Jakob Pertl as a center, and they get Jamichael Green as kind of an expiring deal. Uh, that's an interesting one. I think that Jakob Pertl is I, – I thought that he was on the market, but maybe they maybe they still have another year on his deal. But the Mavericks are going to be looking for some size. They probably look to upgrade over Dwight Powell. This might be a good way for Denver to get in on that. Uh, I mean – if I were the Mavericks, I would try to trade for – actually, oh no, Josh Richardson played for the Mavericks and struggled. Hmm, that's an interesting one. That's a – yeah, they probably wouldn't want him actually. So Josh Richardson for Denver as an expiring deal, somebody that could be a, a good temporary starting shooting guard for Denver as they figure out a better solution. That is a good option. And if you're Denver and you're just trading Zeke Naji and Jermichael Green for the package that you get – like this is a good way to improve the perimeter defense. So kudos to you. Do the Spurs do this? I don't know. Probably not. Do the Mavericks do this? Maybe. They're probably not trading two first round picks for Jakob Pertl. Like that seems insane to me, given that they have limited financial resources anyway. But maybe they do. Maybe that's something that they try. Um, let's keep going here. Peter Martin buckets since '88. Jalen Brown to the Nuggets for Will Barton and Monte Morris. Um, I'm going to assume that this involves first-round picks from Denver to Boston because that is a very lopsided deal. I would be absolutely floored if the Celtics were willing to do anything like this. That just seems bad for them. Like I would, I would question Brad Stevens's health as a as a GM. If he were to do this, because let's let's face it, Jalen Brown is a star. He's playing like a star. And if you don't trade him for a star, then you need a massive package in order to acquire him. And Denver setting out Monte Morris and Will Barton is that just doesn't constitute that. So I'm gonna in- immediately put the kibosh on this one. Sorry, Peter. All right, so let's do a couple more before we hit a break. Um, Omar Wen, he asks, or he he posts. A Bulls trade where the Nuggets acquire Lonzo Ball and Jeff Green and Will Barton and a 2027 first round pick are sent to the Bulls. This would be so fascinating, man. Like I know that Adam has been very much on the Lonzo Ball train for a long time. And just because he was traded to the Bulls doesn't necessarily mean they change anything. But what I will say is that it it does sort of seem like Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, like, it, it's going to be hard for them to move, like, because Zach Levine is a free agent technically, but I think they're going to give him a big, massive deal. And then you've got DeMar DeRozan. So why would they need Will Barton? Like, what, what would be the reason for them to add Will Barton in that scenario? Like, maybe they just want a, a bench scorer, somebody that they can rely upon when those guys are sitting or one of them is only on the court. And so maybe that's the reason. But, like... Lonzo, somebody that was injured, who they really counted upon, and and they want to see what their team is like when he's healthy. I assume, like I can't imagine that they would go away from that. But still, like Jeff Green as a potential option for them, somebody in the front court that they could trust, that they could play as a small ball five in place of Vucevic, or maybe as a four in, in a bigger lineup. There is some some solace to that. There's there's some there's some potential to that. So circle back to the Jeff Green fit for the Bulls. That seems like a good one 
um, if he is open to it because he has a player option. He sort of has a say in all of this, and Denver isn't going to send him to a place where he doesn't really want to go, I doubt, because that would be insane. All right, let's move on here. Uh, Jared, he posts, DeJounte Murray is the dream, and he trades Denver DeJounte Murray and a reunion with Keita Bates Diop. And then to the Spurs go Will Barton, Zeke Naji, Bones Highland, and a 2022 first-round pick. Now, once again, this would have to take place at the draft. This is something that Denver would not be able to do unless it was at the draft time. In terms of raw value, in terms of what the Spurs should probably want for a package for DeJounte Murray, this is this does apply. Like he is an all-star, but they have a temporary starter that you get with Will. You have two young pieces in Bones and Zeke Naji that they could develop, and you get an extra first-round pick. If they were willing to go the rebuild route and kind of just be in that general phase of their team, then this is the kind of deal that I think that they would go for. Would they settle for this? Are these the right pieces for them? I don't know. Like, but if they trusted Bones, if they thought highly of Zeke as as two young guys, then then maybe this is the right call. This is a home run fit, though, or this is a home run swing for the Nuggets, though. You're taking away a first-round pick from Denver that they could be adding to the young pipeline. You're also taking away Denver's two youngest players in Bones and Zeke in order to get what you perceive to be the right fit in DeJounte Murray. Now, I am not saying that this is a bad deal because I think that this is a great value deal. DeJounte Murray was just an all-star. And if you have a Jamal Murray, DeJounte Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic lineup, that lineup would be insane. It would be so good, despite the fact that there are some shooting struggles with Murray or with DeJounte and Aaron Gordon. Like those guys would be able to find their spots within the Jokic free-flowing, cutting style offense. But then the great thing about trading for a DeJounte Murray type, let's say you're still keeping Monte Morris in this deal, DeJounte could stagger with the second unit, and he could play big minutes with Monte Morris, or maybe... Jamal Murray staggers with that, and he plays big minutes with Monte Morris. And so your guard rotation is basically set at that point. You bring back Austin Rivers, you bring back Jeff Green, bring back DeMarcus Cousins, maybe you sign somebody else on free agency, and you just roll forward with that. And, and you, you've got yourself a really, really strong six or seven man rotation right there, where you feel good about the pieces that you've procured. Now, it's a, it's a gamble, of course, and it's another gamble on health from your main core. And are you willing to do that? I think is a good question. Some people might. Some people are willing to gamble, and maybe that's what they should be doing. I am a little bit skeptical with the Michael Porter health, which is why I'm interested in keeping Zeke Naji around, because he seems like a player that Denver is grooming to potentially replace that role or at least be a good approximation of what you need for a porter. But we'll see. We'll have to see how that goes. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to break down more fake trades and get people into the frame of mind on fake trade season. We'll be right back.
right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, like I said, this this episode is it's one of those ones where I I plan on doing stuff like this throughout the off season, or at least kind of leading up to the point where the rosterbation can still take place. People can send me their trade proposals. People can respond probably to this podcast and to the this article that that will go out, and they'll probably share ones subsequently. So we will see what those look like and whatnot. But for now, let's get back into the deals. Let's go through some of the other messages. Grant Carey, he says, or he 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 puts forth uh, a Zion Williamson deal where the Nuggets acquire Zion Williamson on his expiring contract. And I assume, like, because he's going to hit restricted free agency. Uh, and then the Pelicans, they receive Will Barton, Bones Highland, and two first-round picks. Uh, but those two first-round picks are 2022 and 2024. Uh, like I said on the previous podcast, uh, 2024 is not a trade piece that they can actually move due to the Stepien rule. That's not something that they can do. The only picks that Denver can trade realistically are the 2027 first-round pick and the 2029 first-round pick. So those are way out into the future. Also, the 2022 first-round pick can be traded, but only at draft time. And if you wait before or after, then you're kind of in a in a rock and a hard place. But if you do it at draft time, then that's a possibility. Okay, so let's, let's exchange this 2024 first-round pick for a 2027. Is this something that the Pelicans would say yes to? The answer is hell no. Hell no. They are not doing this. And Zion, despite the fact that he was out for the entire year, despite the fact that there are rumors that he may not want to be in New Orleans, there is no way that they are trading him for a package that includes Bones Highland, Will Barton, and two first-round picks. It's just not happening. The Pelicans have higher expectations than that. And could they be doing something where they trade for a star or where they turn around and trade Zion for a star level player? Maybe. But Bones is somebody that I very much doubt is is really on their radar because they just traded for CJ McCollum. They have Brandon Ingram. They have a couple of other young guys that they're really relying upon in Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, uh, Trey Murphy III. Like those guys are young pieces that they are very much clued into, but they like this is more of a rebuilding deal. The Pelicans are about to start turning this thing around. They are looking to compete now based off of how they played in the playoffs this year against the Suns. They're going to try to turn that around and, and make some moves that are more consolidation style, I think. And Zion Williamson, he also has potential to really impact that team in a positive way if he comes back and he's willing to play. So we're going to see. We're going to see what they do, but this, I think, is a pie-in-the-sky trade. Another one, um, my, my friend over at uh, Silver Screen and Roll, Harrison Fagan, he posited Russell Westbrook for Jeff Green, Will Barton, and Aaron Gordon. And uh, I know that Harrison was joking about this one, but I wanted to include it because it was funny. There is no way in hell that the Nuggets are trading for Russell Westbrook. Zero. None. It, it Also, not to mention... I don't think he can be acquired because the Nuggets have two max guys in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. Russell Westbrook is also a max guy. So the rules of the CBA state that he cannot be acquired to have three different guys that are on a max. It's just not possible. And then uh, JT, he also says basically the same thing, but it's Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. for Kevin Durant. 
Um, I'll just I'll just get this out of the way right now. The Nets are not trading for Kevin Durant. They're not trading Kevin Durant. And if they were to trade Kevin Durant, it would not be for a second forward with a microdiscectomy surgery, a discectomy, excuse me. Uh, Michael Porter has had this back injury, and he is a very major injury risk. Ben Simmons, also a very major injury risk after this uh, microdiscectomy that he just had. Same injury, same uh, same likelihood, or at least where this could be a, a potentially bad thing for Ben Simmons for his future. They are not about to add those guys together. Like That's just not something that they are willing to do. No way. All right, more realistic ones now, or at least kind of in the realm. Uh, Jay the Pirate, he responds, with the Nuggets getting Marcus Smart from the Celtics, and the Celtics getting Will Barton and a 2026 first-round pick. Like I said, only 2027, only 2029. Those are the picks that they have, so just keep that in mind, folks. Uh, but as for the deal, like it's basically Will Barton and a first, and a future first for Marcus Smart. No. The, the Celtics are not doing this. There is no way in hell that they would choose this route because Marcus Smart is a legitimate third best player on a championship team caliber kind of guy. Why would they trade that player who fits so well with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for Will Barton when they don't really need scoring? That's just not something that they need. And, and Will Barton will hurt their defense. Not having Marcus Smart will also hurt the Celtics defense. So why would they do this? There's there's just no way. They are not in a stage where they are selling Marcus Smart because he, they are so close to a title. Like Unless he were to uh, screw over Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown in some way and, and it, it became an untenable situation, then this is a, an untenable deal. Like This is not something that they would ever do. Plus, the Celtics just love Marcus Smart and have loved Marcus Smart for a while. He's a player I've wanted for a long time. It's just not viable. I'm looking at the next trade proposal as well. Uh, it is also Marcus Smart for Will Barton. This is not happening, folks. Herb, sorry. Like, this is just not happening. Um, Larry Seidman, he says, tell us why it's bad to propose a trade of the head coach. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say it. Michael Malone is a good coach. And if you think he isn't, then you're wrong. Sorry. Like, that's just like, it's just pretty simple. Pretty simple. Michael Malone is a good head coach. He knows what this team needs. He knows how to get there. The players were not able to meet those expectations this year. People have not put it on the players enough. They're trying to blame Michael Malone. They're trying to blame Tim Connolly for not getting the right players. Some of the players just had bad years, and like Will Barton had a an ability to be able to do more, I think, and like I think everybody kind of shares some of the blame, but these are things like I, I don't think you trade Michael Malone or get rid of Michael Malone or get rid of Tim Connolly or anything like that because they haven't done anything to actually deserve that. There's zero reason why people should be questioning those two guys. And this is not just me shilling for the organization. Like, I genuinely believe this, that just wait until this season for the guys to be healthy and for Tim Connolly to approach this offseason the way that he probably should, which is to be aggressive. 
and wait until you see the results of that before making a decision on those guys. It would be so unfair after these last 18 months to try to make a decision based off of these last two years. What are we doing? Come on now. John Thomas, he asks, or posts, he's posted a couple. Um, I have no idea what this deal... Oh, no, this is one trade. Okay, this is a one, two, three, four, five team trade. I, I can't deal with this, sorry. Like, let's... uh. Let's let's not do five team trades, folks. That's just I I can't even process that. Uh, Mohammed he says uh, Jamichael Green, a 2024 first, which once again like you can't move that, and a 2026 second rounder for Jakob Pertl. So the Spurs get Jamichael Green and picks. The Nuggets get Jakob Pertl. I don't think that Jakob Pertl is a good fit for Denver because he's too good to be a backup. Just just a traditional backup, and he's not mobile enough to play next to Jokic. So what we're really talking about here is Jokic playing 34 minutes and Jakob Pertl playing 14 minutes, and you just traded a first and a second round pick in order to get that. That is not a good use of resources. We are not, like, the Nuggets are well past that. They should not be using trade resources in that manner. Like, if you get a guy that can play next to Nikola Jokic as well, then that's great. Find me that guy that can also play backup center, and then we can talk. It's also not their biggest priority. Their biggest priority should be perimeter defense through and through. Next, uh, oh, Darkcast, actually, he posted his proposals here. I've already talked about that one. already talked about this one. Um, okay. John Lee says... Will Barton to the 76ers for Danny Green and then a sign and trade for Matisse Tybel. I'm pretty sure that Tybel is under contract for next year. And so I, I don't know if you need to actually do a sign and trade. I guess this is adding on and tacking on years to what is a, a what is probably going to be an extension for him. But Will Barton for Danny Green and Matisse Tybel, the 76ers say no to that. And the reason they say no to that is the reason that the Nuggets need Danny Green and Matisse Dybul. It's that perimeter defense because you're asking them to trade away their only two main perimeter defenders and have Will Barton join a core that includes Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and then Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, and that would be their likely starting lineup. And you're asking who to defend in that lineup? Is, is Joel Embiid just going to be the only guy to do anything? Like, you're going to need guys to help him out. And so that's the great thing about having Tybal. It's a great thing about having Danny Green is those guys can do a little bit more. They don't need more offense. They need more defense. This isn't going to be a thing that the 76ers do. Although, if you just had Will Barton for Danny Green, that is reasonable. If you just had Matisse Tybal for like Zeke Naji, maybe that's something that they do and try to get more athletic size. Uh, but I just can't imagine that they would do this. Next deal. Okay, we've got the NHL chicken, the NBA chicken. He's going to uh, to share four separate trades. One of them, Malcolm Brogdon to the Nuggets for Will Barton, Jermichael Green, Zeke Naji, and a 2022 first round pick. This is kind of in that same realm of what the Nuggets should be looking for from the Pacers, uh, what, what the Pacers should be looking for in replacement for Malcolm Brogdon. They have Tyrese Halliburton, and he's going to be a rebuilding piece there. 
I don't know if this is enough of a rebuilding trade for them. Maybe that's not what they want. Like maybe they would prefer some veterans to kind of be stable in that situation for whoever the young guys are. But I do think that if if you're trading for Malcolm Brogdon, I think the Pacers are going to want more than what Denver's offering here. But maybe that's not true. Maybe they're okay with this. And I mean, because like I said at the beginning, I think that Malcolm Brogdon would be a great fit for Denver. So if they could get him, then fantastic. That would be that would be wonderful. No, oh, next trade for NBA Chicken. Another one, Justice Winslow and Josh Hart from the Trailblazers for Will Barton and a first round pick. Uh, this is interesting because I think the Blazers would be interested in bringing back Barton. He's a guy that was there for their organization previously. And given that they have playoff slash championship aspirations, like he's a veteran who's on an expiring contract, like he would still be a pretty good fit, I think, for what they want. Even if it's not as a starter, like they might decide to bring him off the bench as a sixth man. Uh, and they're also getting a first round pick in this deal that they could play around with for a future trade. That's something that they could probably do. Uh, but I kind of think that Josh Hart is a better fit for them than he is, than Will Barton is, just because Josh Hart makes a lot of sense as a defender, as a, a small guard that can play the two next to Damian Lillard, could play the three next to Lillard and Anthony Simons, could potentially replace. Damian Lillard in uh, next to a Simons-led second unit, something like that. Uh, there, there are ways that Josh Hart could be very helpful for them. He is a great fit for Denver, and if that is a possibility, Denver should definitely look at it. But I just doubt that they go that route. Next deal, Matisse Teibel from the 76ers for Jeff Green and a 2024 second-round pick. This is interesting. I doubt that the Sixers go for this because Tybal is a restricted free agent and he's somebody that's much younger than Jeff Green, is less of a temporary option. But Tybal's had a really bad playoffs. And he's just he's somebody that is very flawed in terms of how great he is defensively, but also like he can be switched off of. And and then he's somebody that they don't have to guard on the offensive end. So you have to have an intelligent team to take advantage of Tybal's skill set. And the Nuggets, I think, are an intelligent team. Like They would be able to be extremely helpful for a player like Tybal. And I think Jokic could really mask his weaknesses a little bit better than Embiid and Harden can, because that's just kind of a, tradition, a traditional pick and roll slash ISO situation where the Nuggets could use him as a screener at times and, and as a dunker spot guy. But I still don't think the Sixers do this because it's probably just not enough value to them. Like Jeff Green might be an interesting piece for them, but they also have Tobias Harris and Georges Niang, both of those guys. Very good, very talented. I doubt that they need another guy like that. But hell, you never know. Maybe they want Jeff Green as a, a better backup center option than Paul Millsap or somebody like that. That's kind of very interesting that Paul Millsap is already there. Jeff Green is kind of a, a modernized version of Paul Millsap, despite the fact that he is also just as old. And then finally for, for NBA Chicken, Lou Dort from the Thunder for Zeke Naji and two firsts, uh, 2022. And he says 2026, it has to be 2027 or 29. But this is, this is a deal that has popped up multiple times. And I'm pretty sure the Bronco Squatch Jake Coyne coined this exact 
deal or something close to it, some, something that was cap legal, of course. Um, but Zeke Naji makes sense as a trade piece for a team that still wants to stay young, but they have a young player that Denver is trying to get back. Uh, you have two rookie contracts that are close to it. Lou Dort is, is different than that, but uh, two small contracts that are multiple years. With Lou Dort, it's a little bit different, like I said, but you give them an extra two first-round picks that they get to play around with going forward. Like, there is something to that. Like, I think that Denver should be trying to go get Lou Dort. He makes a lot of sense as a Chris Paul defender, as a Steph Curry defender, as somebody who locks in and is that, like, he's that role player type that can hit the outside shot, that's learned to do some things with the Thunder in an expanded role. His role would be reduced with Denver. And that would be a good thing for him, I think. So it's a good idea. Lou Dort, great idea for Denver. Fits a lot of needs. Would be a good, cheap solution for one year. And that would get very expensive after that. All right. We are at the 54-minute mark. So I am going to try to find some good potential deals uh, to kind of wrap us up here. Um, Looks like a... Okay, this is a four-team trade. This is... Okay, so a lot of things going to a lot of different teams. Denver gets Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Josh Richardson, and Lou Dort. I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, that's not viable. They would only get a couple of those guys, if like, but they're not getting three kind of three and D types. Like That's just not how Tim Connolly rolls. He wants to have like one or two of those guys and then potentially some other fits. Uh, but the individual deals, Josh Richardson for Monte Morris and a second round pick, uh, Lou Dort and a second round pick for Zeke Naji and two firsts, and then KCP to the Wizards for Will Barton and two seconds. It seems logical. Each of those individually seem logical. You pair them together. That seems a little bit out there and a little bit too aggressive, but each one of those deals makes sense for Denver from a, a what you are looking for to acquire standpoint, from a, a perimeter defense standpoint, a role player standpoint to surround the main core. But you also can't go too overboard with it. And you got to make sure that you get the right guy, the right deal. And so if you have all three of those guys, they're going to help your perimeter defense out. But you exhausted your war chest of picks and all three of those guys are expiring deals. So you're about to get either really expensive by bringing them back, or they could just walk in free agency. And you could be screwed, just absolutely screwed, if those guys don't come back. So there is some danger there. You don't want to do it with all of those guys. You probably want to do it with one or two, and then hopefully that works. Or some other deals here that have been recommended. Okay, that's a four-team deal that I don't want to deal with. That is a four-team deal that I don't want to deal with. Okay, that was from a MHB Brazil, Mile High Basketball Brazil. Uh, good thoughts. I, I think generally what people need to understand with the fake trade process is that it is so hard to get a deal done in the NBA. Focus on two teams. If you need to open it up to three, going past that, that's just where fake trade season gets a little bit too wild and it's just hard to keep track of those moving parts where you have so many different pieces that are going these different directions and 
it might make sense from a value perspective if all for all of those teams and teams might say okay to it, but that would be after two months of talking, not just 20 minutes. Anta says he's trying to get creative. Oh, crap. I just uh, accidentally clicked on my own face, my own profile. Um, Trying to get creative. Okay. So this is a three-team deal between the Nuggets, the Pacers, and the Jazz. The Nuggets gets Royce O'Neal and Buddy Heald. The Pacers get Mike Conley, Will Barton, and Zeke Nashi. And the Jazz get Jeff Green, Malcolm, Moore, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and Monte Morris. Okay, so the the Nuggets send out Royce O'Neal and Buddy Heald. Or no, they, they get those guys and they trade Will Barton, Zeke Naji, Jeff Green, Monte Morris. That's not good enough for Denver. Like they need more back than that. This is the rare deal where Denver gets screwed. They are the team that actually gets screwed over here. Royce O'Neal is not a good enough player. Buddy Heald is not a good enough player for Denver to trade all of those potential rotation pieces in Barton, Naji, Green, and Monte Morris. Like, Monte Morris is one of the more valuable players of that deal. He's a better player than Royce O'Neal, that's for sure. He's probably a better player than Buddy Heald, to be honest. Uh, so I, I would not do this. Let's just throw this one out. That is that is tough. Um, This one right here, uh, oh my gosh, I, I can't touch this. Like, this one is Will Barton, Aaron Gordon for... Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, Nick Stauskas, Luke Kennard, Robert Williams, and Grant Williams. Dude, what are we talking about? There is no way. Why are, why are we doing this? No, let's just stop. <laughs> stop. Um, okay, here is one. Pretty reasonable one. Actually, it's not reasonable. Let me tell you why. The Pelicans get Will Barton, Monte Morris, Zeke Naji, and a 2027 first-round pick for... Larry Nance Jr., Devontae Graham, and Herbert Jones. Ooh, yeah, you picked the wrong piece. The Pelicans are not trading Herbert Jones. He is a piece that they're going to keep for a long time. There is no way that they trade him because of his value. There are very few players, especially very few young and cheap players that are on those cheap contracts that give you elite perimeter defense, and that is what Herb Jones does. He's the best perimeter defender in the NBA right now. How insane is that to say he is a rookie? He is he is who I would say, actually, okay, Marcus Smart might be better. But other than him, like there are very few guys that I would actually take over Herb Jones right now. So in theory, like great. Monte Nuggets, like they would be very happy with all three of those guys as potential pieces. But there's no way the Pelicans are giving up Herb Jones. Sorry. All right, um, let's do one more. Oh, this is an interesting one. The Nuggets get John Collins, and the Hawks get Will Barton, Jamichael Green, and Bones Highland. Now, this is fascinating because in my mind, the only reason the, the Hawks would trade John Collins would be if they were to get some sort of forward that they could start in his place. So you're thinking Aaron Gordon? you're thinking Michael Porter Jr. are the two guys that come to mind for me. Will Barton, probably redundant with Bogdan Bogdanovich, with Kevin Herter. Both of those guys are seem like players that they also need the ball in their hands or, or pretty close to it. 
Jamichael Green, probably not good enough to replace that starting power forward role. And then Bones Highland, not really a great fit with Trey Young. Like that doesn't seem like a really good idea for their long-term future. Like I would grade this an F if I were the Hawks, like if I were getting that deal. For the Nuggets, like that's fantastic. Like you get John Collins as kind of a a potential MPJ replacement when he's not healthy. Maybe he starts in place of well, he starts in place of one of those guys, or maybe you start all three of them, and then you have Murray and Jokic on the other sides. Like that would be insane. What a what a lineup to have. Uh do I think it's viable? No. I think that if you're trading for John Collins, you're probably trading away Michael Porter. That's my opinion. And that would be be a very fascinating deal that I didn't see proposed today, but Michael Porter playing with Trey Young, and then John Collins comes back to Denver as kind of a a good hybrid piece. Like this is the kind of piece I'm talking about with Denver, where with Jokic, where you need somebody who can play next to him, but you also need somebody who could replace him, who could be his backup. John Collins is good enough to do that, and he's going to be a very good player for a very long time. And if you get somebody like that, you take advantage of that and run. He's also going to be dependable. He's somebody that came back with a, he still had a big injury, fought through it. Like, will that hurt him in the long run? Maybe. But he's somebody that if I were Denver, I'd try to get my hands on John Collins. That seems like a great fit. He's a great player. All right, that is pretty much going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, folks. I appreciate all of the trades submitted. I am sorry if I didn't get to yours, but I tried to get through as many as I possibly could today. There will be more episodes like these, or if you want me to frame this in a certain way and change my framing of it a little bit, then I absolutely can do that too. But we've got plenty of time. There's plenty of time until the draft. We're at least six weeks away from that still. And we still have seven weeks then from free agency. So there are going to be a lot of opportunities to talk trades, to talk moves, and I will go over everything with you. But for now, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Nobody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. I'll be back on Monday with a forwards season in review, uh, a piece on that, and then we'll do the bigs on Wednesday. I'm going to try to get Jake Coin on Friday of next week, and we are going to do some financial talk for sure. I think that's that's a, a time long pass that we should be doing that. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.